Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, we hear a message from Bethel worship artist and founder of The Burn, Sean Foyt. Quite a different atmosphere. When I stepped off the plane in Fargo and I uh, wasn't quite prepared for it, um, the frozen chosen. But I'll tell you, you know, getting off that plane and, and or multiple planes, and uh, I think it was like two days of travel or something to get here, and I walked right in last night to the last two hours of 24 hours of worship, and it was just like so worth it. I don't know how many of you guys got a, got a chance to be a part of, or 26 hours or whatever it was over this weekend, but so rich, so rich, and it's a real privilege, I think, always to, you know, to for us to step into the atmosphere of what's been created over the last weekend, and sometimes I think we're really unaware of it, that in this room here, people from all across the region have been pouring out their finest at the feet of Jesus, and you can feel it this morning. It's, 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 it's the atmosphere, it's the residue of day and night worship that's been happening in this room and just to you know those of you that are part of this church just as an encouragement um, to you like don't ever stop doing that this is why we're here this is what the church is built for not just for programs and 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 uh and and uh you know all the amazing things that we do the compartments of the church but you know always remembering to keep the first thing first and you know, responding to the first commandment empowers us to do the second. And it only is from responding to love the Lord your God with our whole heart that we actually carry authority and power to change the world. Without that, we're just a bunch of busy people with religion, and it doesn't carry authority. It doesn't carry power. So I just love that. I love what this church is about. I love that you guys are willing to do that, to host worshipers around the city and it was just so refreshing to step into that last night and I just thought maybe I'd start uh, you know with kind of what I want to share today by singing in a song is that cool two people are cool with that well to be honest with you I don't really care what you think I'm gonna do it anyways because I have the mic and I came a long way so you're just gonna have to deal with it um, um, can I get my guitar up just a little bit in the in the house? Um, I just want to share this song. We've been just been singing it around the world, and I, I love to sing it over Fargo in North Dakota and uh, just this whole region. We've been singing it. This song it's it's on um, it's on one of it's on the the new album that we're doing. It's going to be on the uh, the Bethel the new Bethel compilation album that comes out as well, but. It's really easy chorus. Just sing this with me. It just goes, um, Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our heart. Jesus, you're the king and you're the center of it all. Sing that with me, Jesus. 
praises of our heart Jesus you the king and you're the center of it all and there is a name that reigns without whose power can't be questioned or contained with humble faith he rules the earth and heavens his glory knows no measure or refrain and it's bursting past the borderlines of space Enthroned upon the praises of our heart Jesus Jesus You the king and you're the center of it all There is a the margins calling sons and daughters back to him and as he says we can hear the roar of heaven his prodigals are coming home again oh the triumph of his name will never end Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our heart. Jesus, you the King and you're the center of it all.
Lord, we just thank you, God, for just the last 26 hours of worship. We thank you, Lord, for this church, Lord, that prioritizes your presence. We just pray this morning, God, that you would put a new song in our heart. Lord, that you would release into our spirit, God, a worship that sustains through the mountaintops, through the valleys. Give us a sound of praise, God, that continues, that carries on beyond circumstances, beyond the pressures of life. But Lord, make our default button praise. So I'm um, actually making it mandatory for all of our burn leaders around the world to come to Fargo next year. Who would have thought? We have, so every other year, we have a leadership gathering where we have um, all of our burn furnaces like what you guys just experienced this weekend, you know, 26 hours of worship. We do that in over 100 cities across America every month and then 200 more across the world. And so every two years we have our leadership gathering and, you know, everyone's really pumped because we kind of do like a big reveal on where we're going to do it next. And uh, the last time we had it, I think we did it in Pittsburgh. The time before that, we did it in Virginia Beach, San Francisco, Dallas, Texas, and the big reveal this year was Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, so <laughs> my leaders were like, where in the world is that? And, uh, and I explained, you know, the, re- the reason and the purpose and all that kind of stuff. And so they're really excited, but we are going to invade your church. So just get ready in a couple months, like, you're going to see the most eclectic, wild bunch of leaders that are literally shifting culture in America through this worship and presence of God. And they're going to come here and just blow up this town. They're going to invade all your coffee spots. They're all coffee snobs. And uh, they'll probably be, I was joking in the first service, they'll probably be wearing the yellow-colored bison gear by the time they leave. So... um, and I feel like it's prophetic. I mean, there's, there, there's a, gosh, there's a million great places we could have gone. And, of course, they, you know, they always love the idea of coming out to Reading and, and being at Bethel and stuff. But I feel like that, you know, that, you know, that what you guys are cultivating here in your church, and I feel like this, this amazing spirit and presence of worship that you have. And I think I tell you this every time I come, but, man, I just, I just want you to be really grateful and thankful for this house of worship and you know the presence of God that we experienced this morning it's like and it makes preaching really easy it's like a it's like a soft pitch you know it's like you know kids softball or t-ball you know you just put it up there and you know you can't help but knock it out of the park and so that's just such a you know I just want to give you guys amazing honor and 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 joy at you know the community that God's cultivating here after his presence and 
I feel like the apostolic calling on this region to be a worship hub is the reason why we're going to be gathering here. So we're really excited for that. I'm going to bring my whole family. This is my family up here. We added another one. Joy Boy over there on the right. Zion David, he's, he's our newest addition. And I think we're about done. I think we've, I think we've maxed our limit here. Um, and uh, and uh, I just got word when I was in Australia, she took him to the doctor. Because I, I told Kate, I'm like, are we feeding him too much? He's like huge. He's like, he's like a monster child. And after you have like multiple kids, you're just kind of like, you just, you, like, you're just happy if they survive. It's not like... You're not, you know, it's funny with your first, you have like all the disinfectant wipes and you're doing all that. By the, by the fourth kid, you're like, they can eat dirt. They can, they're going to make it, you know. And so I kept telling her, I'm like, he's just huge. Like he, he gets next to other six month babies and he looks like he's going to eat them, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe he's big. And, and sure enough, we took him in, he's 98th percentile. In height and weight, and I was like, yes, Lord, I have my linebacker. <laughs> I have my linebacker. He has arrived. So anyway, th- that's my family. I think there's another one of us cruising on our property. If you can flip to the second one, yeah, that's us at home in Redding, California. And um, you'll, get to, you'll get a chance to meet my family the next time we're here. I'm going to bring them all up for that gathering that we have. But we're, uh, we're really thankful. We've actually... Um, what I want to share about this morning kind of hits close to home. I want to talk about worshiping through the fire. I want to talk about what does it look like to, to carry a sound of worship that, that sustains through the crazy times in life. And I want to just start with this verse in Habakkuk, and I have a, a couple other verses I want to share, but Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. This is one of the uh, less often shared verses chapters and verses on worship, but yet I feel like it's so significant. Like maybe one, maybe somebody in here will get a tattoo of Habakkuk 3 because it's so powerful and it just carries gritty resolve. Like I'm flying here from probably the largest worship or most influential at least worship conferences in the world. I was out at Hillsong in Australia and I was sharing and preaching and ministering there and I think last night they recorded their brand new album and just such good, great friends with them. But I love what God's doing in the worship movement right now because it's like, it's exploded so big. You know, worship has kind of even taken over like Christian music, like CCM music. Everybody wants to do a worship CD. It's like the thing now because that's mostly what people want to listen to. And so even on the radio, you can hear probably if you switch on Caleb or whatever you listen to, you'll find that worship music really dominates a lot of Christian music right now. So it's kind of like the fad. It's kind of the thing everybody wants to do. But what I love is that God, he's not keeping us stuck in this fad. He's actually giving us a sound that's really gritty, that's really authentic, that carries real resolve. It's not just, you know, religious rhetoric, or, 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 or some kind of a religious exercise or the three fast and three slow that prepares our heart for the word, you know, or whatever people ha- have thought of before. But the, the resolve it, it is a song that sustains through the highs and the lows of life. It's the fact that, that worship doesn't change with the weather. 
whether you're in a Sydney springtime, you know, all the trees there were budding and it was just beautiful, or you're in a, a Fargo winter. Like this song sustains, this song remains the same because it's not based on circumstances, it's based on who he is, which never changes. This is why we anchor ourselves in this reality. We come in here this morning, doesn't matter what kind of week you had, doesn't matter what kind of money you have in your bank account, how your relationships are doing, how's your job going. It actually, that doesn't actually determine your connection in worship to God because it's not based on your circumstances, it's based on his worth. Can I get an amen? Like, and it's going to be better this service than the last one because I, I got, had more coffee <laughs> in between, so I'm a little more coherent. But I, I was writing this down, like, on Twitter, on the old Twitter, in between services. Like, we don't hold God hostage to what we think he should do in response to our worship. In other words, like our worship isn't determined by what we hope God will do. Now, I say that in the context of I believe God for breakthrough every time we worship. I believe for miracles, signs and wonders. You're going to see some videos where you're going to see a video from the underground church in a minute that's going to fry your brain with what God is doing in these parts of the world. Now, I believe that God responds. He's enthroned on the praises of his people. He moves on our behalf. But that's not why we worship. Like, we don't hold him hostage to the fact that, well, if we worship, there's going to be breakthrough. No, we worship because he's worthy of it. Regardless. Now, yeah, if we get miracles and signs and wonders and breakthroughs, that's awesome. But you know what? As a worship leader, sometimes I get up here and I lead worship. I don't feel jack crap. I love it. I was with, with the Hillsong guys. We're on a panel, and they're like, do you just feel the glory every time you're up here? Do you just feel the angels? And I'm like, to be honest with you, No. Like, and I love when I feel those. It's amazing. But there's a whole lot of time where I don't feel those. There's a whole lot of time where I'm just trying to stay awake a little bit like this morning. Or I miss my family. Or I'm going through something and I don't feel what I'm singing. But I sing it anyways because I know it's truth. And we have to stop basing our worship expression based upon our feelings. Because we're all fickle in our feelings. You can't trust your feelings. You can't trust them. They lie to you. <laughs> and we don't hold God hostage to what, he think, what we think he should do. Our reason to worship isn't based on his performance, but it is based upon his worth. That's really good. That's really good worship theology. That our worship isn't based upon his performance in our lives. It's based upon his worth. And that's why it doesn't have to shift or change. Now, Habakkuk 3 says this, verse 17. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful. I love how it says I will rejoice. I will be joyful. Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman, rejoice, you who have no children. Sometimes the most prophetic act you can do is to unfeel your feelings. (laughs) 
You really want a breakthrough. It's really, it would be really to enter into that, I need a breakthrough with a minor song that's super sad because that's what you feel. It's another thing to desire the breakthrough in a place of pain by entering in with shouts of joy. Sometimes unfeeling your feelings and stepping into a place of joy, even when that's not, doesn't feel right or isn't accessible, is one of the most prophetic things we can do. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Worshiping through the fire. We had a, you know, how many of you guys have been keeping track of what's happening this year in California, the fires that are happening? I was just um, watch, checking the news real quick in between, um, in between services today. And, you know, there's still... The largest, most devastating, most destructive wildfire in the history of America happened just last week, about an hour south of where we live, called the Camp Fire. I thought the Car Fire was bad. That was the one that hit Redding and devastated 1,100 homes and burnt everything. So, you know, some of our friends just burned everything that they had, and we were evacuated twice this summer um, with my family because of this fire. And uh, we uh, basically, this is how we lived for most of the summer. Masks on our face. I mean, it was, it got so bad. The air was so bad. Like there's an air quality meter and uh, it, it goes, it goes up to, I think it goes up to about 300. And there were several weeks where Reading was in the four to 500 air quality range. I mean, that's like unheard of. And you know, we have little kids, and I could, you know, put masks on these kids, but my baby, obviously, I can't put a mask on, and my four-year-old just refuses a mask unless it's like Batman mask or something. Um, and so we had to leave so many times just because our, our my kids' lungs, and I mean, we were just all like, ah. So our summer pretty much got robbed, and, you know, Reading, which is the second sunniest city in all of America— behind Flagstaff, Arizona, this is kind of what it looked like for a lot of the summer. And so we learned, like, and, you know, we were displaced, you know, two or three times for a few weeks at a time, but there was a lot of my friends that lost everything. And they were told, you know, to go in and, and you have three minutes and the fire is going to be, you know, burning up everything you have. And it's funny, uh, Bill and Benny Johnson, our pastors there, they got that call, and all Bill could think about was, go grab my cheese. <laughs> my friends were rushing to his house. What do you want us to get? Uh, uh, there's cheese in the fridge I just bought, you know? <laughs> so funny. He has a whole sermon about it that's hilarious. Because you just don't think, you know, it wasn't like the wedding albums. It wasn't like, you know, this memorabilia. It was the cheese just bought from France in the fridge. You know, I don't blame him. I love cheese too, but it was frantic. The atmosphere was frantic. It was just wild, and it was just like, you know, and I don't know if you heard, but during the car fire that happened in Reading, there was an entire weather system that was created. They're still studying. They'd never seen it before. It's called a fire NATO, which is a tornado inside of a wildfire. 155-mile-per-hour winds picked up, and this tornado formed, and it literally was the most destructive tornado in California state history inside of a wildfire. 
crazy. I mean, untold of destruction. And, and you know, the, the lakes that we love were just charred to, to nothing. And so we've just lived in this thing. And I, you know, my kids, I love my kids because so much of our lives, we think we're teaching our kids and then we realize they're really teaching us. You know, maybe that's why we keep having them. I don't know. But I learned so much about their connection to God and their resolve to worship. And, you know, and, and so when, when, you know, we had to leave our home and the pool that we just built to enjoy this summer, this is our first summer, you know, having a pool in Reading, which is like a million degrees. So we just had to do it. And our first real summer, full summer having a pool and we could, couldn't barely use it. And when we got home, there's ash all over it. I mean, it was just, it was rough. But my kids, you know, they always were like, let's just worship. And I remember the first time that we had to evacuate when it got really bad. Uh, we went, we were driving to Montana. We went to Montana because I have some family that lives there just to escape. And I was meant to be leading worship on Sunday at Bethel, but of course everything got canceled because of the fire. And so instead of being at Bethel, we were on the side of a mountain in Montana. And it was Sunday morning, and and my daughter, my eight-year-old, who's like the poster child for, you know, Bethel Church and Bethel School, I mean, she will prophesy you up and down. Like, she, the girl does not play games, you know. We, uh, she's like, Daddy, it's Sunday morning. She's like, we need to have church. And I'm like, yeah. She's like, are we going to church? I'm like, well, we, you know, the church is... Is not happening today because of the fire. And she's like, that doesn't matter. Let's just have church. So we stopped on the side of the road, got out with a guitar, and my eight-year-old led us into worship. And we sung, and we just worshiped, you know. And we just sung these songs about even though the fire has come, you know, we will still worship you, you know. And I just got so wrecked, you know. Here I am, the one, I, I'm the one with all the theology, I'm the one with all the testimonies. I'm the one that travels the world and does this thing. But my eight-year-old is leading me into the most powerful form of worship with a resolve to sing through the fire. And I'll never forget, we went back home after this. And our, our main campus that we do worship at was, literally had become like, a, like a, a, a Salvation Army and Operation Blessing kind of disaster zone. And it was just uh, reaching, they, the, you know, the staff and the whole community had stopped everything they were doing just to support the relief efforts. And so all the services were moved to another campus that we have that's a lot smaller. And, and we had a worship service there. And I'll never forget, I was up there leading that night. It was such a, it just affected me so much because in the room, there were so many people that were victims of this fire, like that had lost everything, that it, were displaced, that were living with friends. And Everybody was living with somebody. We had, like, we had like couples and kids and tons of people at our house. Not only that, I have about 15 acres, so everybody came with their cars and boats and campers and everything. And my whole property was just like one big, like, parking lot for everyone's stuff. And I got up there to lead worship that, that Sunday, and... I was just looking, you know, as we were singing, you know, just the first song, and we were just just a, kind of a song of praise. I looked over, and there was a whole family that was on the left that were f- good friends of mine, and they lost everything. Everything's charred, you know. Their beautiful home, their dream home that they had right next to the lake, and, you know, all their toys and all their stuff was just destroyed. And here they were, 
a few days after that, just as a family, just all lifting up their worship to Jesus. It was just one of the most profound things. Like I was just, I, I was hard for me to keep it together just watching them. And I love the resolve of Daniel. I was thinking about that, you know, in the service. I love the fact that, you know, he came in front of Nebuchadnezzar, in front of facing the threat, you know, of bowing down. You must bow down. Daniel, Daniel goes, you know what? You can throw us into the fire. And even if he doesn't save us. Like he wasn't holding God hostage to like, we'll worship if you deliver us. No, even if we burn, we're not going to bow down. And I feel like this is a season in, in the world. This is a season in society. This is a season in America, you know, where it's like, it's kind of like the Matthew 24 thing, you know. It's like we're living in Matthew 24 where things are being shaken and shifted and, you know, governments and all, all kind of stuff is happening around us. And it says in Matthew 24 that because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. In other words, they don't carry the theology that's strong enough to stand through the shakings. You know, everything in their life is based on feelings. The persecuted church, they, they already, they, they don't understand faith outside of suffering. Like there's no, there's no distinction between those two things. Faith in Jesus Christ equals suffering. And, you know, a lot of times we spend a big part of our life spiritually Anything bad that ever happens or comes against us, we're always like the boogeyman Satan. I bind you. I break you. I, and I don't believe that those things are from God. But I do believe that we live in a fallen world and that our life looks like this. Anybody's life looks like this? Is anybody human here? Any, any, anybody human and real? Like, like, our life looks like this, right? Like, every single person's life in the history of the Bible was a roller coaster. Like Paul said, I know what it is to abase and have nothing. I know what it is to abound and have everything. David, you know, lived this kind of a life. Why are the Psalms this, the, the, a book of songs that stand the test of time and Harvard theologians still study them? Because they're real. They're authentic. It's poetry and artistic expression that actually means something. Because though David's life was like this, he never stopped singing. Jesus, you know, what about Jesus? He had some ups and downs. He had some highs and lows. You know, his graduation present you know, from getting ordained at the Jordan River and the voice of the Lord opening up the heavens, his, his reward for that promotion was 40 days in the wilderness. <laughs> it's like sometimes we're the church, we're like, yeah, I want the upgrade. Give me the upgrade. I'll take it. Ah! And we're like, crap, that means I got to go through stuff. Wait a second, I don't have the theology built inside of me to understand. And I, I'm not saying like new devils, new levels, new devils. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that sometimes seasons of crisis are an invitation for us.
to test the quality of our worship. Man, this is way better than the first service. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, the espresso kicked in, guys. It, it's it's get kicked in. I feel better. But the, <laughs> this is the one you should use for the podcast if you do it. But the, like the seasons are like the seasons of crisis, the seasons of walking through the fire, they're invitations to actually test, is this song real in our life? First Peter 1, verse 5. I want to read this out of the Passion. It says, Through our faith, the mighty power of God constantly guards us until our full salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately you've had to put up with the grief of many trials. It's so interesting to me. The, the biggest lesson that I learned from the persecuted church, and I get the privilege to like travel around the world and spend time with the most persecuted people groups. And I have some crazy stories. I mean, we could just take a night and just share stories from the persecuted church because every time I go hang out with them, I feel like I get to be more of a real Christian by just being in their presence, you know. And they have like .0001% of the resources that we have. They don't have training and classes and programs and discipleship groups and home groups and endless worship services. And they don't even have access, many of them, to like basic YouTube Worship sets or videos or different things like they rely on the Holy Spirit to be the one that disciples them and the and and many times Jesus showing up personally in their life, which you're going to see the story, um, and and so they've developed a response to crisis of not run and woe is me and I'm so afflicted, but actually they were there where they embrace it with joy. Like, I don't remember the last time I met, you know, a believer in America that was like, oh, I'm so pumped. I'm going through a trial. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Let's have a trial party. <laughs> Let's have a crisis gathering where we sing songs of joy. I mean, this is basically what Peter's saying. You know, he's saying, May the thought of this cause you to jump for joy, even though lately we had to put up with the grief of many trials, because only, because these only reveal the sterling core of your faith, which is far more valuable than gold that perishes. For even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise. Say, even more praise. Every trial and crisis you face results in even a greater upgrade of praise. If you embrace it, even more praise. You know, we learned this, this family, uh, this summer as a family, we learned how to worship through not being at home. We learned how to worship through facing the possibility everything that we love. And man, we love our property. We love our home. We love everything. We face the reality that even if... It isn't saved like Daniel will still worship. And we built a bond as if, and I'm thankful. I don't think the fire was from God. I'm not 
thanking God that he brought it, but I'm thanking the Lord that through the process of walking through this, we were able to strengthen our resolve as a family and reveal in us what truly matters. Does that make sense? That is our response as believers. Walking through, you know, the, the, our worship doesn't change with the weather. But these reveal the stirring core of your faith, which is far more valuable than the gold that perishes. Even, for even gold is refined by fire. Your authentic faith will result in even more praise, glory, and honor when Jesus, the anointed one, is revealed. And I feel like, oh, if we could just, as believers, in this season of history, which I was sharing last night, is the greatest season in the history of the world. There's more to celebrate of what God's doing than there ever has been before. But... The strength of our worship is not tested in the glory blowout services where things in our life are going great and the economy is awesome. The strength of our worship is tested when we're walking through our darkest hour. And my prayer over you and over this church and over this community is that you would be a worshiping people even when there's no fruit on the vine, even when there's no oxen in the manger, even when there's no money in your bank account, even when you're pressed in and surrounded, even when you don't know what you're going to do with your life, even when you're not married yet, even when you don't have kids yet and you want to have kids, even when you want that promotion but it doesn't seem to come, even when your greatest dreams have not been fulfilled that you've been looking for, even in the midst of radical loss, when your parents or your mothers or your, or your friends have died, even when you're facing great crisis, still you will be a worshiping people. Can I just pray that over you today? And, uh, and then we'll do another 26 hours of worship. You ready? Let's do this. Actually, why don't we just stand up? I'll pray over you. We're really, really thankful to be connected with you as a church and community and, and, and just to call you family. And we're so excited with what God's doing here. And we're shouting your praises around the earth, telling the whole world to come to Fargo. Fargo is the epicenter of God's revival. We're saying crazy stuff, guys. Crazy stuff. But I just want to pray. Just, Lord... Actually, just put your hands up like this. Let me just pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, for a gritty, determined resolve, a song of worship that soars high above our circumstances. Lord, I pray, Lord, for this church. I pray for this community. Lord, I thank you for the gift that's here. I thank you for the incredible uh, hunger for your presence. I thank you for, for the prioritization of worship in this house. I thank you for the musicians and the songwriters and, the, and, the, and, the, and just the worship leaders and just the people that love your presence. I pray, Lord, that this would be a season, God, where you strengthen our song and our sound. I pray, Lord, that even as those in this room, as they go through 
crisis, as they go through seasons of not understanding things, as they go through times where it doesn't make sense, Lord, God, that they, that their song would even get louder. God, that their joy would even increase. I pray, Lord, for every person that's confused and anxious and depressed and suicidal that walks into this atmosphere. Lord, that they would catch the same sound that's in this place, Lord. That this would be known as a house of worship, not just where, you know, the latest, greatest songs are being played, but where the sound of sacrificial praise goes up. That this would be a house of sacrificial worship. That these would be a people that would be known for a song that never ends despite their circumstances. And I pray, Lord, that you would raise up this sound, that you would raise up these people, Lord, in an hour of shaking, in an hour of shifting, in an hour where, where, where it's hard for people to catch their bearings, Lord, that this would be a place, that this would be an anchor in the storm, God. That this would be a, a house of people with, that are unshakable in their resolve to love you. And I pray for the outpouring of your spirit in this season like never before. Let this be a winter, Lord, in North Dakota that's full of burning hearts. Lord, alive with your presence, carrying your glory into all spheres of society and all places in their life. And I pray that, Lord, that this Thanksgiving season, Lord, as we gather with family members, as we gather around tables, as we celebrate, Lord, let a joyful sound go like a virus throughout our families. Let us be the most grateful, thankful people in the world. Lord, break off the consumer thing on us, Lord, to want to consume to be more happy. And let us just rest in the thankfulness and the gratitude of all that you've done. And let the road ahead, Lord, let it be filled with praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday services at 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.